For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome to the Kingdom of Pod, the 60th edition on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Bet Online. Jeff Caves here in Flower Mound, Texas. A mid-season breakdown for Boise State football, why everything isn't necessarily rosy. And Carl Benson checks in on all the changes as Conference of Palooza continues. Well, let's start with what most of us are experiencing right now, and that's a little bit of misery and those are those of us just on the outside looking in of Boise State football right now at three and four. This was a possibility that I thought existed looking at the schedule in the preseason. Um, I knew there needed to be some edge rushers that needed to emerge. Uh, Dimitri Washington had to be healthy. And I was concerned about the pass rush on the defensive line. I knew there was a lot of new people to work in in the secondary corners, but there was enough experience there. I didn't think that would be a challenge. The linebacker crew I thought was solid experience and would, would be good, so I really didn't have many concerns about the defense. And then offensively, you know, other than offensive line, uh, there really wasn't concerns about who could throw it or catch it and or, or run it with Holani coming back healthy. Yet there was a new coaching staff and a new philosophy and a new offense, so to predict that Boise State would be 7-0 and rather than 3-4, and I thought was very difficult. You didn't know where this offense was going. How could you? You had never seen it before with this personnel, with a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach, uh, specifically at two critical positions. And then, of course, defensively, you've got a lot of new personnel to sort of work in and, and see how it all gels. And I, I, I don't think that you know, looking at that schedule uh, was too far out of line to say, okay, they could lose on the road to Central Florida and BYU, and they may struggle at home against Nevada. All those could be tricky games, and two of those three teams that NFL-type quarterbacks. So I don't think it was a stretch to understand that, hey, September could have been dicey, and uh, now here we are, and, and October's dicey. Uh, I thought Air Force before the season could be a school that could be handled at home. 
uh, specifically because when you look at the stats the last four or five years, Air Force hasn't handled Boise State's pass offense well. Andy Avalos has tremendous familiarity with how to prepare for the option attack of the Air Force, and the net result was the offense couldn't get on track. I think the defense ultimately solidified themselves in the third quarter with a pretty good effort, and the offense couldn't get on track. They didn't have great time of possession because they had way too many three and outs. I thought the pass protection was tested again, and Boise State's pass protection shouldn't all be laid at the feet of the offensive line. Tight ends participate in that. Running backs participate in that. And those were in very short supply, given the injuries that the position has taken now. I think the snaps coming to Hank are a challenge. I think Hank's having challenges, and he needs to make quicker decisions. needs to be more decisive with where he's going to go with the ball. needs to trust his receivers and throw to spots more often. Quit taking so many hits. All of it adds up to what wasn't a great offensive situation against Air Force. And just like we didn't think, you know, they would dominate Utah State or beat BYU, this team proved they could recover and did so. So all hope shouldn't be lost. And I'm looking at the last five games now, like I think most of us are. Three of these games are going to be on the road. Colorado State, Wyoming, and New Mexico, all very winnable games. Let's not get carried away. Fresno and San Diego State, those could be much more difficult, should be much more difficult, specifically in the case of Fresno, a tremendous uh, quarterback on the road uh, could be a big task. San Diego State, they've proven once before that they can uh, handle them with their run game and load up and, and defeat them. I think San Jose gave them everything they wanted. So if you're looking at it, you would think the San Diego State uh, game could be a little bit more winnable. So I don't think at this point a 7-5 and five record is out of touch. That doesn't mean everybody's thrilled with it. That doesn't mean they have to do better, should do better, needed to do better, all of the above. It's about staying where you are right now and looking at how you finish out. And if they win four of their last five, I think everybody's going to feel better about the direction of this team, including the coaches. You know, remember Coach Pete, his last season went eight and five. And with a bowl game, so can Andy Avalos and this group. So that can happen. The fan base is hurting right now. We all know that. Somewhat confused. It's all understandable. Fans haven't had to struggle through this at this point in the season in the last 20 years. But don't forget, you know, Brian Harson and his group had some trouble. They lost back-to-back home games in 2015 to Air Force in New Mexico. You thought the world was coming to an end. Uh, the team in, in 15 was coming off that Fiesta Bowl. They had a really bad stretch of some ugly losses, that road loss in Logan to Utah State, and then those home losses to Air Force in New Mexico. They had a 2-3 and three record over a five-game stretch. That was dark times. But... They rebounded. They hammered San Jose State to end their season. And then they really pulled a shocker in the Poinsettia Bowl. It wasn't a shocker that they beat Northern Illinois. It was a shocker that they beat them 55-7. to And that was a game seemingly that nobody had anything to gain from. But Boise State went in with the right attitude. You know, Northern Illinois that year had been to six straight MAC championships. They'd won as many games since 2010 as Boise State. So it was a formidable opponent. And nobody saw a 48-point win coming. 
BetOnline is a new web interface for the just-in-time start of the NBA season. You'll find more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's the number one spot for basketball and football action this year. So head to the new updated desktop or the mobile website to sign up today and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, even UFC, right on to your favorite Vegas casino games. Take advantage now of all the amazing 2021 season offers. Bet online, fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. This, the Kingdom of Pod, a weekly look at Boise State uh, football. Carl Benson's been watching Boise State football ever since he attended Boise State was a baseball player and later a coach, and then went on to become a commissioner at the MAC, the WAC, and the Sun Belt, sort of the godfather of Group of Five commissioners. He's retired now in Denver. I get an opportunity to visit with Carl frequently, specifically when you have such conference of Palooza news and notes out there, everything from the SEC grabbing from the Big 12, grabbing from the AAC, you know, grabbing from Conference USA, getting grabbed by the Sun Belt, you know. It's an ugly situation right now for colleges moving around. But I visited with Carl about, you know, whether or not it was the Mountain West's interest in Texas, uh, were they interested in North Texas, was the Mountain West interested in San Antonio, were they ever interested in SMU, uh, were they interested in getting back into the expansion business into Texas. And I started uh, with that because, you know, Carl's known Craig Thompson for quite some time. And I asked Carl about just that. So was the Mountain West ever really serious about getting in the expansion business? You know, I think that there was some sincere um, interest in getting into the state of Texas. Um, you know, I still still keep in touch with uh, with a, a Mountain West AD or two. And, and I've had conversation with them mm-hmm. in the last, you know, several weeks. And you know, there was interest in in getting into Texas for the same reason that, you know, that the Mountain West was in Texas when they brought in TCU, you know, the idea of a fertile recruiting mm-hmm. ground. But, uh, you know, again, I don't know how, you know, how uh, the Mountain West was going to convince, you know, a, a North Texas or a UT San Antonio um to you know, to make that move to the Mountain West, if they indeed had an invitation to the to the American, just in terms of, of sheer geography and, and where you know where was the right place for you know for those Conference USA schools, um, you know in you know in the state of Texas. So, um, you know, I think that the you know the the, the Mountain West is a twelve team league. Um, I I believe is a very solid. Uh, league as it stands today, the unknown of mm-hmm. of the future has has caused people to think to uh, worry about you know all the what ifs. But I think that a, a commissioner today you know is is in a position to say, listen, these are the twelve universities that comprise the Mountain West, and here's our history, and and here's what we've done, and here's what we expect to do. Uh, we don't have to take a backseat to to any of the group of five conferences. Um, I think that just the general opinion, the media opinion, the, the experts in the field, you know, look at the Boise or look at the Mountain West membership and compared to now this 14 team league of, of the, 
of the American. And you know, with all due respect, 12 out of those 14 schools, you know, were Conference USA at one time. So, you know, we're back, you know, we're back to 15 years ago before, you know, before the American was in place and when the Big East was the old Big East and Conference USA had, you know, all these schools in it. So um, I think it's, uh, I think it's time to kind of take a breath and hmm. finish out this football season and, and uh, then start, you know, bragging rights for, for the future. Hey, Carl, let me ask you this about revenue. We've got this buyout money now to deal with. You've got uh, AAC getting buyout money. I imagine there's going to be money changing hands for Conference USA as those schools exit. How, how does, in those two situations, how does that money get earmarked? What what happens to it? Who gets it? Who doesn't get it? Because for the AAC, I think it could be like $30 million, I read. Yeah, it'll it'll go into a, you know, into a, a general fund. Um, and, and some of it is, let me step back here. Some of it is not, it's not as if Houston writes a check to conference or to, um, to, uh, you know, or not Houston, but yeah, it's not, not, not as if Houston writes a check to, uh, you know, as their exit fees, there's still two years left that they're going to be playing mm-hmm. in the American and the American will withhold those revenues from the normal end of year. So there's really no financial transaction. Oh, okay. It's just that Houston will forfeit their, you know, their end of year revenue up to a point that it matches whatever their, you know, their penalty, you know, might be. You know, this the, and, and the idea that it's two years of, you know, conference revenues, um, that is, you know, that has become a kind of a normal penalty because, in general, schools will play two more years in a conference. So there'll be a revenue distribution okay. in in June of, of 2022 that Houston and Cincinnati and UCF you know, won't get that check from the American. And then there's one more year, assuming that you know that it's a it's a two year process when a school by the time the school gets out of one conference and into the other. So um, but in the end in, at the end of the day the conference has more money in its, you know, in its bucket next mm-hmm. June, and they'll earmark those those dollars so that they separate them, and then it's a matter of how do they either disperse to the rest of the membership, um, how will they use for special projects, how will they use to, you know, to you know from a promotion standpoint or from a, you know, a, you know, production standpoint in terms of of new events. So, um, you know, there, in the past, there has been, you know, distributions. Uh, you know, I remember in the old days when, when the Mountain West was created and the, and the, the WAC had, had money. If I was out to dinner with the ADs, the WAC ADs, and, and they would thank me for picking up the check. I said, well, no, <laughs> just thank, you know, thank you, Utah and BYU and San Diego State and that group. So, uh, it was a little bit on the Tashisa side, but but it was uh, it was nice spending their money sometimes. Carl, do they cut in the new schools? So if you've got the schools leaving the AAC, paying, not collecting their checks for a couple of years, you got new schools coming in. Um, it sounds like they wouldn't get money till they start participating in this new conference. 
So that's a lot of money to distribute amongst the eight remaining or whatever the number is, right? They could also yeah. say, hey, give me $3 million. I need it now. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's up to the board of directors, which is the presidents of those, those uh, uh, you know, the eight American universities, those presidents uh, will have the authority over the course of the next two years. And, and that transition is, is, it's not complicated. You know, you want to bring the new members in and put them around the table and you want, you want to integrate them into your governance. But at the same time, on issues that are pertinent to the day, those eight members, you know, want you know want to be able to kind of decide on their own without involving the others. Okay. For anything that is is post, you know, their uh, membership, then you know, then they'll have full votes. If there's some things that are going on, and and, and revenue distribution would be one, Jeff, that uh, that the eight ongoing members. You know, we'll have, you know, we'll have the voting privileges. The, the schools that are leaving, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, um, I've already heard through some sources that, you know, that they've kind of been excommunicated already. Wow. Um, that, uh, and this, this has happened in other conference um, membership changes that, for example, championships that are being hosted by one of the outgoing schools, you know, will be taken back and given to a, a an ongoing. Uh, and I've heard that some of that's already, you know, they're already going on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to manage a, you know, a, a, a family that's going through a, you know, through a divorce or something like that, that, you know, who's, who's telling the kids, you know, what, you know, what their rules are now, but uh, it's, um, you know, you get through it. It, uh, and as many times as, some of these schools have been in different conferences uh they you know in, in houston and you know they're all they're all in conference usa at one time while well, houston was in the southwest conference so i mean they they know what it's like to go through that process <laughs> to conference usa to the american and now back you know, wow to the, to all right help world. help me out help us out here carl tell us what you think about what's going to happen possibly because we we started with two schools leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. Then we had three schools leave the AAC to go into the Big 12. Now we've got six schools leaving Conference USA to go in the AAC. Where does this buck stop? Where, where does Conference USA go? And those six schools leaving that money behind seems like where's that money going to go if they don't refill their coffers with who? Well, I mean, there's there's obviously the trickle down and the the replacement uh, plan. There, you know, there are some some independents out there right now that would jump at a chance to join a conference: New Mexico State, uh, Liberty, University of Massachusetts, UConn, UConn. Army has already, I think, pretty much indicated that they, you know, that they want to re retain and remain as a, as an independent. But uh, you know, those are those are all um, possible replacement teams for Conference USA. Um, I've heard that uh, that if not all, wide majority of the Sun Belt schools have received phone calls from Conference USA. Wow, which is kind of an interesting, you know, shift uh, in terms of, of where the Sun Belt was seven, eight, nine, ten years ago to, to where the Sun Belt and that uh, 
none of those Sunbelt schools have indicated any interest. Um, and then, you know, then the, the next, you know, the next pool of teams would be the FCSs. Uh, James Madison has made it clear that they're ready to, to, uh, to make the move. And, you know, there's, there's probably a tug of war going on right now, um, you know, between Conference USA and the Sun Belt over, you know, over James Madison. Um, you know, the, the Conference USA is trying to protect those eight schools that they have left, but the reports are pretty, pretty consistent and, and I think pretty accurate that, that the Sun Belt has made overtures to several Conference USA schools. So Conference USA very well could, could lose more than just the, the six going to the American. Um, mm. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, you know, I've, I, I had to, I had to replenish the, the wax several times and, you know, it, at some point in time, you, you, uh, your, your options are, you know, are narrowed and eventually as it was in the WAC, uh, you know, after an attempt was made at Montana, Montana state and Cal Davis and whatever, um, you know, ran out of teams, ran out of replacement teams and, and the WAC uh, shut its doors to football. So that's the, you know, that's the, the, the far reaching of all this. And, you know, right now it looks like Conference USA is, you know, is the, is the most vulnerable of, of any of the conferences. And, and uh, you know, the commissioner of Conference USA is doing the best she can right now to, you know, to, to re, you know, reload and, and, uh, and get, uh, get some of these replacement teams ready on and try to convince, try to convince the, the schools that are currently in Conference USA to, uh, to stay put. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting set of dynamics, and when you look at you know at footprints and and uh, what happens when when you lose six schools, and what happened to me when the WAC lost eight schools, um, the WAC was left with you know TCU, SMU, Rice, and UTEP in the kind of in the central time zone area, and then San Jose State, San Diego State, Fresno State, and Hawaii. So the you know the middle was taken out of of uh, of the WAC back in in 1998, similar has happened with Conference USA. When you sure. look at their at those six schools um, and what they're left with, you know they have two you know two uh, islands. Uh, UTEP is on an island in the west, and Florida International is on an island in the in the southeast. And then as you look further, you have Louisiana Tech that is is on the, the Western side. And then everything else is, is kind of in that, you know, Virginia, um, Southern Miss area. And um, so there's a lot of space. There's a lot of geography between El Paso, Texas and Miami, Florida. <laughs> yeah, that much we know. And what do we lastly want to say about the efforts of the Mountain West? Of course, the Boise State fan, Carl, is interested and whether or not SMU was ever a play, or Tulsa was a play, or is is was Carl? Or excuse me, was Craig's moves, you know, basically trying to say we should look at making a move in case Boise State leaves our conference, you know, and they want to read into that. So should we read into that? And what was Craig trying to do? Was he trying to look for Gonzaga and Wichita and do a basketball thing, or how do we read it? Yeah, again, I think that. That the expectation is 
from the fan base and, and to some extent from the, you know, the members themselves is, you know, what is our plan? And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with arriving at a plan that, that looks at the, you know, as I said at the beginning of the program here, that, you know, the 12 schools that are under the, you know, that are under the, the Mountain West flag and are in that footprint, you know, was, you know, has had a lot of success. And, and there isn't a reason that they can, can, you know, that they won't continue that success. So, you know, a decision to stay, to stand pat, you know, I don't think should be criticized at this juncture because really the options that they had weren't very good. They didn't have very good options. And, and even if, even if SMU and, and Tulsa and Memphis had come forward to the Mountain West and said, Hey, listen, we are ready to, we are ready to make this move. Mm-hmm. What, what would that have meant for the Mountain West? Would it, would it have increased their television value? Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. So why, why would you even, you know, get to this, you know, the only reason they might do it is to, and then there was some of this conversation a week ago at this time, Jeff and you and I talked about it, that, you know, was, was the Mountain West interest in North Texas and UT San Antonio and Rice, uh, was that being done because they knew that the American was coming into mm-hmm. that uh, that footprint or to maintain, retain space in that footprint? A block, and, a block. Yeah, and um, and the, the American, you know, was able to, you know, to, to pull it off. But uh, I think that maybe, you know, again, we're all competitive. Commissioners are competitive. Uh, membership structure because at the end of the day people are going to write you know who are the winners and the losers in in the great the great conference restructuring of the fall of 2021 and you know when you look at how many um, schools are going to change addresses here it mm. it will be you know, it's pretty significant from from the Texas Oklahoma to the to the three that you mentioned to the six that we've mentioned and, you know, by this time tomorrow, my guess is that there'll be a, you know, a couple of other schools that have made decisions either to join Conference USA or join the Sun Belt. And, and what's interesting and in all this is this entire conversation we've had, you know, the Mid-American Conference hasn't been mentioned one time. Right. And, uh, and they have been the most stable of conferences over time. Uh, and. You know, and, and I'm sure that some of their fan base is saying, well, how come we're not out there trying to, you know, yeah, Marshall. And, yeah. Yeah, to, to bring Marshall back yeah. to where they where Randy Moss, you know, roamed the happy the, state, the fields, the, yeah. the fields of uh, of the Mid-American Conference. But uh, but again, sometimes and I would put the Mac in this category too. what, you know, sometimes you've got to accept, you know, who you are and, and what you are and that uh, let's make the best of what we have versus just going out there for the sake of the appearance that we're, you know, we're doing our jobs. I'm talking about commissioners that we're doing our jobs to, you know, to, to make a conference better. And, and you and I've said this many times, a conference is only as good as the schools that they have. And, uh, and I think that the onus is on those schools to get better. And once the schools get better, the conference is going to get better. Good stuff, Carl. Thanks again, man. You bet. My pleasure. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingdom of Pod on a bye week uh, for Boise State. Thanks to Carl Benson for joining us. Please rate, review, pass it along, subscribe to this podcast for Boise State football. I enjoy doing it. 
as I hope you enjoyed listening to it every week. Brought to you by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.